Thank you. Um, and I shared, uh, in case you didn't notice, there will not be a PowerPoint presentation this morning. So, if you have your Bibles or have access to a pew Bible, I'll invite you to turn to it. And I know I saw some pew Bibles back there in case... I know, but I have some other things that just came to me that's not going to be part of what I gave you before. (laughs) Uh, So as, uh, uh, of course, pastor being away and uh, asked me to fill in, the sermon title this morning will be Simple and something that you've all encountered or heard of before, and that is the faithfulness of God. And you know, if if nothing else, one thing that I have learned, and I'm going to suggest that you too be, uh, well, put in your category of be learned, is some things are so important that we need to be reminded, and we need to be reminded, and we need to be reminded. And the faithfulness of God is something that God has given to us in many different scriptures. And it's there, I'm sure, and I'm convinced, because there are times when we need to be reminded as does faithfulness. first scripture I want to share with you does indeed come again from Lamentations. And it was our call to worship this morning. And there's a couple extra verses that I want to include. But Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. Again, these are the words of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Just before the deportation to Babylon, for 70 years, things are bad in downtown Jerusalem. Things are so bad and have been bad uh, for years before. And as, as, as we consider the book of Lamentations, one other scripture that Betsy's not going to have for us, but if we would back up into that same chapter, uh, a few verses up into verse 16, Jeremiah is continuing with his lament, hence the name Lamentations. And things are so bad, and Jeremiah is, is in such a distraught, State. In my translation, verse 16 reads, And he has broken my teeth with gravel. Jeremiah is saying in so many words, My life is so bad, it's been reduced to eating rocks. And this is the mindset of what is happening in downtown Jerusalem. Until the good news... The, the scripture that we shared for our call to worship, we'll skip down and read again, verses 20 through 24. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Therefore, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, 
I have hope in him. Hope in the faithfulness of God. Even when your life is like eating rocks. Or chewing gravel. Now, with that preview, the majority of my text is going to come out of the book of Psalms. Psalm 89. And in case you didn't know this or weren't aware of it, not all of the Psalms are penned by the hand of King David. This is one that was not. And Psalm 89 is penned by, well, we don't know for sure, but it's understood, or at least scholars indicate, it is by a fellow by the name of Ethan. But Psalm 89 occurs, or is written at a period of time, same as Jeremiah, when Jeremiah was prophesying. And I have... Psalm 89 is a long chapter. But remember the context. Jerusalem is about to fall. King Zedekiah, the last of the kings of Judah, is about to be taken uh, prisoner along with most of the other exiles. And there were at least three different invasions into Jerusalem prior to the exportation, what we, be, what we begin to count as the 70-year captivity. So the psalmist in Psalm 89 writes for us. Um, let's see, Bets, how do we have here? Okay, I have this Psalm 89, Psalm 89 divided into three sections. Section number one is going to be verses 1 through 18. And as all of this comes about, I want you to hear the complaints to God. Hey, by the way, in case you didn't know, it's okay to complain. It's okay to have concerns. It's okay to have doubts. Jeremiah did, and this psalmist did too. And what this boils down to, or the actual lesson that I'm going to hope to convey is, as we all evaluate our own, or take our own spiritual MRI, or our own spiritual x-ray, what is it that holds you up inside? And then has anyone or anything ever let you down? And how do you feel in those moments of time when that someone or that something lets you down? So in Psalm 89, the psalmist begins with a reminder as to the performances of God. What God can accomplish, what God has accomplished. And by the way, Never ever forget this. What God has accomplished 5,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, whatever, He can and will still accomplish today or tomorrow or the next day. Psalm 89, first um, two verses. 
I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations I will make known thy faithfulness with my mouth. For I have said loving kindness will be, will be built up forever. In the heavens thou wilt establish thy faithfulness. These two, first two verses begin with, wow, yeah, praise God. Now, if you've not read all of Psalm 89, what you will miss is these are the words penned by an individual who, just like Jeremiah, his life is like eating rocks. So the faithfulness of God here in these first two verses, deserves to be proclaimed, deserves to be advertised. Verses 3 and 4. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. Here in these couple verses, we see that God's word, God's faithfulness, fulfills Old Testament scriptures. Now remember, these are the words penned by a guy that's going through a time just like Jeremiah. Verses 5 and 8. In the heavens will praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies is comparable to the Lord? Who among the sevens of the mighty is like the Lord? Rhetorical question. Of course, I think we all recognize and know that the answer to that is there is no one and no thi- or no thing that is comparable to the Lord in his accomplishments. And he distinguishes himself as incomparable. Seven and eight and nine. A God greatly feared in the council of the holy ones, and awesome above all those who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is like thee? O mighty Lord, thy faithfulness also surrounds thee. Thou dost rule the swelling of the sea when its waves rise. Thou dost still them. Thou thyself didst crush. Rahab, like the one who is slain, thou didst scatter thine enemies with thy mighty arms. In case you may have a question or a comment or what's this all about, in verse 10, the phrase, thou didst crush Rahab, like the one who is slain, this word Rahab is not a direct reference to the woman Rahab from downtown Jericho, the harlot. This is, in fact, a reference to, in general, uh, Egypt. Now, I'm not going to go through all the commentary kind of stuff, but I just want you to be aware that there is a difference. But as the, the, the text continues here down through verse 18, and I'm going to just read through all of this now and ask that you follow, be aware that God demonstrates his faithfulness and it's worthy of being advertised, it's worthy of being proclaimed, and he distinguishes himself above every other God, every other thing. 
verses 11 down through 18. The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine, the world and all it contains, thou hast founded them. The north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon, shout for joy at thy name. Thou hast a strong arm. Thy hand is mighty, thy right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of thy throne. Loving kindness and truth go before thee. How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. O Lord, they walk in the light of thy countenance. In thy name they rejoice all the day, and by thy righteousness they are exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength, and by thy favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, and our King to the Holy One of Israel. Amen. These first couple verses, first 18 verses, words of praise, exaltation, you would net, unless you read the whole thing and get to the end, and we're going to get that. These words are penned at the time just before the Babylonian captivity, when life in downtown Jerusalem was just like eating rocks. Verses, uh, the, the next section. Um, 19 through 37, here we have a, and I'm going to read along and I'm going to ask that you follow, Uh, we have a section of the reminder of God's promises. The reminder of God's promises given to to his people. Verse 19, Once thou didst speak in vision to thy godly ones, and did say, I may, excuse me, I have given help to the one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him, with, my, with whom my hand will be established. My arm also will strengthen him. Stop there for a moment in case you didn't know. David was the first king. No, I'm sorry. I said that incorrectly. King Saul was the first king. David was the successor. But it was only uh, after the people demanded a king prior to the area was, or the, uh, the nation was ruled by judges, King Saul, then King David, who is acknowledged and recognized as being a man after God's own heart. Verse 22. The enemy will not deceive him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him, but I shall crush his adversaries before him and strike those who hate him. And my faithfulness and my loving kindness will be with him, and in my name his horn will be exalted. I shall also set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He will cry to me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I also shall make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My loving kindness I will keep for him forever. And my covenant shall be confirmed to him. So I will establish his descendants forever in his throne as the days of heaven. If his sons, 
forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments then I will visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes but I will not break off my loving kindness from him nor deal falsely in my faithfulness my covenant I will not violate nor will I alter the utterance of my lips once I have sworn to my holiness I will not lie to David his descendants shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me it shall be established Forever, like the moon, and the witness in the sky is faithful. I want to stop here for a moment, and I know I read quite a bit, but as far as here the psalmist is remembering the promises that were penned and handed down through the prophets, through the judges, for the people, the promises of King David, who we might consider, well, yeah, what a, a spiritual superhero. And certainly the people at that time regarded David as a spiritual superhero. God will and God does stay faithful to all his promises. Now, the next part is going to be perhaps one of the more difficult parts in that this last section that we just concluded was basically a promise of judgment, a promise of discipline, a promise of, well, transgressions will be Righteously judged. Verse 38 continues to the end. As far as dealing with the promise of God's faithfulness to his, or with his uh, promises of judgment or punishment. But thou hast cast, cast off and rejected. Thou hast been full of wrath against thine anointed. Thou hast spurned the covenant of thy servant. Thou hast profaned his crown in the dust. Thou hast broken down all his walls. Thou hast brought his strongholds to ruin All who pass along the way plunder him. He has become a reproach to his neighbors. Thou hast exalted the right hand of his adversaries. Thou hast made all his enemies rejoice. I want to stop there for a moment and just kind of talk about this. Remember this psalmist is in a mode of lamentation. 
a mode of expressing sorrow and regret, a mode of complaining. God, David's dynasty that you had promised would endure forever, it's collapsing. The city walls are broken down. People have been exported as hostages back to Babylon. The fall of Jerusalem appears to contradict the whole promise of an eternal dynasty. What's going on, God? How can this be? And here we're seeing in these last few verses that the reality is many times people change. And also the reality is God never changes. So as the lament continues... We see here now how people have changed. His people have changed. And now the wrath of God is being uh, demonstrated by and through the, the, the vessel of the Babylonians. Continuing now on uh, verse 43. Thou dost also turn back the edge of his sword... And has not made him stand in battle. Thou hast made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. Thou hast shortened the days of his youth. Thou hast covered him with shame. How long, O Lord, will thou hide thyself forever? Will thy wrath burn like fire? Remember what my span of life is. For what vanity thou hast created all the sons of men. What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Where are thy former loving kindnesses, O Lord? Which thou didst swear to David in thy faithfulness. Remember, O Lord, the reproach of thy servants. How do I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples with which thine enemies have reproached, O Lord, with which they have reproached the footsteps of thine anointed? Before we get to the very last verse, 52, here we have a reminder that within the context of the faithfulness of God. He is indeed faithful with his punishments and with his discipline. We see here that he can and will discipline severely. We see that he can and will discipline steadily. And we see that he can and will discipline strategically. Now, I'm going to ask this question. Don't answer out loud. 
What's the goal of discipline? What is the purpose of discipline? Any discipline as parents of children. What's the, what's the purpose? And the purpose is to teach. Discipline's purpose is to teach one of an incorrect behavior or attitude. Now, in the context of Psalms 89 and in the context of the ministry of Jeremiah, we know with hindsight that there was a spiritual condition that needed to be disciplined. And in the midst of that discipline, as severe and as steady as it was, and how in the midst of that, your life was just like eating rocks. The faithfulness of God, as presented in the very first portion of this scripture, shows that this psalmist knew that there was a promise of God's faithfulness, that there is a purpose, that there is a reason. And now let's look together at verse 52. And as we look at verse 52, the very last verse of this, uh, of this psalm, after all of this complaining, after all of this, how long, Lord? Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Two amens there. You see, the psalmist recognizes that there is a purpose for this tough time. And the purpose is demonstrated by the reminder of just how how faithful God is and how incomparable He is and how what He plans is really best for us. See, God is indeed faithful. He does always love. And He does always encourage. And He does always support. And He will never, ever, let you down even if you feel like eating rocks God never has a bad day God is never too distracted to be concerned with your life my life and he is never caught off guard his faithfulness is something that we can and must cling to and recognize that in the midst of difficulty, He is what holds us up inside. He is the one that never fails. 
And as these promises that were demonstrated or written down here in, in Psalms, it didn't make sense to, to the folks at the time. But the fulfillment of the faithfulness of God in this midst of discipline is demonstrated and climaxed in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for the sins of the world. And then further, the providing of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 to give power to you and to me and to everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord as their Savior. The power to recognize and to take comfort in that even those times when we feel like eating rocks, He is faithful and will bring us through. So, as Jeremiah recalled the faithfulness of God, as the psalmist recalls the faithfulness of God, as each of us goes through those times and those moments in our lives that can only be described as hard. What's the purpose of discipline? What's the purpose of instruction? It's to bring us all to a closer point of understanding of just how good God really is. And it is to bring us to a point where we do not rely on ourselves, we do not rely on someone else, and we do not rely on something else, but our faith, our hope, our dependence must be to the power and the faithfulness and the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we give thanks, we know that your words uh, as recorded through scriptures are Well, we know that they're true. And we know that you have provided your words in such a way that some things are so important we need to be reminded. And we do need to be reminded of your faithfulness, even in those difficult times. Because the difficult times do come. The valley lows... As we, uh, well, as, as Psalm 23 tells us, they, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We have, we have those times in our lives when we're on, or in the valley. And we have times in our lives when we're on the mountain peaks. May our faith and may our dependence on you not be dependent on whether we are positionally on a mountaintop or in a valley bottom. And we give you thanks and praise that by and through the Holy Spirit, you can and will instruct us and guide us and guard us and keep us as you continually remind us of your mercies, of your blessings, and as you remind us that there is no thing that you accomplished thousands of years ago that you can't accomplish today. 
And we ask that we would all be drawn closer to you according to your will and according to your purpose. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.